Hey there, this is Dennis Anyone with Dennis Hensley. It's a podcast about making things up and making things happen. I talk to creative people about how they do their thing, how they keep it going. Uh, my guest today is Enzo the Wonder Dog. Say hello, Enzo. Okay, so now he shuts up. No, it's not actually Enzo, but what's funny about Enzo, my dog, is when I'm getting ready to record these um, intros, usually in my bedroom on my bed, he has to be on the bed helping. So there he is saying, you can get through this. So, um... Today's kind of an unusual uh, podcast. I have two different elements in it. One is a panel I attended uh, for Netflix for the show Queer Eye. Um, they showed an episode, and then they had the five, Fab Five come out, and the show's creator as well. And uh, it was really, really cool and interesting. And so I recorded that because I'm sneaky. But it's for our consideration, right? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play that uh, second in the podcast. But first... I have something kind of different and kind of unique, and I'm really excited about it. Um, Christine Aller is a change strategist. I had her on the podcast um, in the fall, and uh, she was somebody that was um, helps people with their with their businesses and and their and their sort of cash flow things for especially for creative people. Um, she helps people bring their sort of business ideas to life and their creative ideas to life. And she wanted to do a podcast of her own where she takes a few different um, people with, with business ideas that are working on developing them and does a series of podcast sessions with them where she helps them with their business. And she chose me as one of the people. So while I'm trying to get LifeCast and the game You Don't Know My Life off the ground, I would seeing her every other week for these really cool sessions. I was getting such good advice. I had this great kind of accountability. She has really good ideas. So um, for the first half of this podcast, I'm going to let her explain what this is that I'm involved in so uh, she can explain it better. And then you can go and listen to our sessions if you want, if you think that that you might find it interesting and fun. I certainly got so much out of it, and I'm sad that it's over because I loved uh, going to to see her and talk to her and, and uh, take advantage of her great ideas and expertise. So before we get into that, though, I want to mention my side business, LifeCast. It's where I interview people about the milestones in their lives. Say it's your parents' anniversary or a, a landmark birthday. Um, but I've started sort of a new kind of division of it called LifeCast Occasion. And that is where I go to your event and I cover it um, like I would uh, as an entertainment reporter and get interviews with all the guests and then create this sort of audio collage that captures the evening. I really try to capture what, what the, the, guests, um, the guest means to the, the people that come there. And it's really fun to kind of put it together. And I think it's a really unique offering. And it's a great way to have something unique about a wedding or a birthday. I'm doing a big birthday party um, next Saturday in Hancock Park. I'm really excited about it. So if you're interested, go to getalifecast.com, and that's uh, LifeCast Occasion. All right. Um, I'd also love it if you would uh, check out the Dennis Anyone Facebook page. You can email me there. You can donate to my virtual tip jar. helps me cover the expenses that come with the podcast. Um, you can also see pictures that go with some of the interviews that I do. Um, like Dennis Anyone on Facebook. And um, that's enough plugs, I think. So here, without any further ado, is a conversation I have with Christine Aller explaining the project I was part of. And then you're going to get um, the first half of the Queer Eye panel that I was able to go to this week. Uh, I was really knocked out by the episode they showed. I've seen one of the other episodes. I haven't watched the whole season. I just started crying right at the beginning of the show and didn't stop till it was over. 
And um, I have some thoughts I share on that. I'm going to share it on the Patreon episode about why that is. So um, if you're interested in joining my Patreon group, I would love to have you. It's as little as a dollar a month. I've been a little remiss the last few months because I haven't had a voice. So I haven't posted anything or charged anyone. But um, I'm getting back into it. And um, thanks for everything. Here is Christine Aller, and then you're going to get some Queer Eye fabulousness. So, Christine Aller, I've been so honored to be part of this um, project. Why don't you explain to my listeners what what it is and, and how you came up with the idea? Okay, well, about 10 years ago, I was an actor, and I had a little side business, a little side hustle as a professional organizer. Right. And in the course of a week... Like three different actors came up to me and said, Hey, would you, you know, can I take you out for coffee? Could you teach me about how you started your business? Well, right. three people are asking. I'm like, there are probably more people. So let me just, I'll just do a little class on this. Right. If you had told me back then that I would be teaching business information still. Right. And not doing the other things I was doing, organizing and acting, I would have thought you were nuts. But here I am. So I created this little product called Your Little Side Biz, and it existed for people to buy. But I always had it kind of in the back of my mind after about 10 years. I'm like, wow, I would really teach this differently now. And, right. And it needs to be m- more than it is in that iteration. But, you know, other other things came m- my way and I never actually did it until circumstances happened at the beginning of 2018 and I'm on it's time. Right. So to revamp it. So I revamped it, I rebranded it Cash Flow for Creatives and the audio course, I wrote it out, it's basically like a book and then I recorded it, but it also has a workbook. And it's just, here is my brain. Right. If we went out to dinner and had an eight-hour dinner, this is what I would tell you about starting your business. But I knew that it's really good information. The uniqueness of it is I think that a lot of creatives go out there and there's a lot of great how to build a business advice out there, but oftentimes that advice is geared and angled towards people who are trying to replace a job with another job right? or they have a job and they want a little extra money on the side, but creative people are trying to build a creative career. They just need cash. Right. The side hustle might turn into something as it did with me, but it might not. And if you apply some of the other business advice, you can just be going down paths and and on tangents that take you nowhere. And and you use a lot of your resources in ways that you don't need to use them. So my, um, audio course is for creatives and it's a lot of like, you don't have to do this and you don't have to think about that. Don't worry about that. Just do this because it's the shortest distance between you and cash. Right. But what it has in common with all the other business advice out there is it's just a lot of advice. And oftentimes folks feel, oh, I'm going to apply it wrong or, oh, it's not working or it's going too slow because they don't, they've never really seen anyone show them what it really looks like to integrate something into your life and, right. you know, split your time between juggling two things. And it looks messy. Yeah. Sometimes. And also things happen that you don't expect to happen that are really good and that's great. And how do you take advantage? You know, how do you shift plan a course and then change course? So I was looking for a way that I could give people that experience too and mm-hmm. show them that arc. And then 
I love podcasts. Like I'm a heavy consumer of podcasts. I love hearing things orally. I think that's why I do a lot of audio courses. Right. Um, But I had never thought that I would have a podcast because the idea of doing something ongoing forever on a weekly basis, I don't click with that. I like projects that have a beginning, a middle, and an end. But then as I started to discover people doing like limited series podcasts, I'm like, oh, I could do that. Right. So it was just like the perfect um, medium for my message, which was let me take some people very, I wanted them very different, very different situations, very different ages, very different backgrounds, ethnicities, everything who are doing different businesses that serve different audiences. So no one can be like, well, it only works for that. Right. No. And take each of those people through Uh, several months of coaching and record the sessions so that people could see an evolution. And the project was never designed to be like, you start here and then look in 10 weeks, they have a business that's just replaced and paying their rent. It's not that everyone started and ended in different ways, but it's, here's what it looks like. Here's what it really looks like in when you apply this guidance in real life. Yeah. These people have real lives, complex lives, and they're trying to start something new. And this is what it looks like, but don't be afraid of the mess. And don't be afraid of the uncertainty. They all are uncertain and have fears and concerns, but wonderful things come from it. And I wanted people to really see, and I wanted them to see the stuff that we didn't plan. So much stuff and opportunities happened in your couple of months that we couldn't have even imagined when we sat down. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. What are the who are the other people? So, I have a man, okay, who, an older gentleman who has no children right now, and um, he's a fabulous writer, and he's a TV host and a podcaster, and he is he actually has two side hustles, which is very unique, right? Um, a business recording people. Um, this is you, Dennis. I was like, that sounds a lot <laughs> like, like me. Wow. I'm like, where is this going? <laughs> a business um, doing audio memories and, and things for events. And then a game that sort of, they they relate very well to each other. Um, and that is turning out to really be his, probably going to be his main hustles. Um, but he's also doing other work on the side and still TV hosting and, and different opportunities. Then I have... He sounds fascinating. He is I mean, my favorite. Is he seeing anybody? <laughs> no, he's okay. actually I, single. And, mm, and, you know, right. somebody should listen to his episodes. Exactly. They might, um, exactly. They might have a, you know, yeah. a love connection there. Whole other podcast. Exactly. Then I have a gal who is young and in New York has a huge, all her twenties was spent in the world of finance and being a virtual CFO for certain companies. And so she now has a bookkeeping and financial consulting side hustle. Cool. And she is pursuing stand-up comedy and writing comedically. Um, and she is Indian so she has Indian parents and all that comes with that, <laughs> all the expectations and, and judgments on that. And, um, yeah, and she does not have children and is in New York. And then the next gal is married, no children, two dogs, and she has a very complex situation. She has a full-time 40-hour-a-week job. Right. 
and she had semi-built another, sort of started another side hustle, but it didn't do it in a way that allowed it to become something that was fun and enjoyable in her life. It was more like a weight on her life. So she wanted to shift to something else, but she's also a producer, writer, and actor who's doing her own film. She has one in a, in a couple festivals now that's going like gangbusters. So she wants to do all of this and what she wanted to do. So the, the first two people, Dennis and um, Sonia, they do service type businesses. Right. What Joanna wanted to do was take her knowledge of um, helping people develop scripts and reading scripts and turn that into a course. So I thought that was really yeah. inter- different and interesting. And then the fourth gal is Kim and she's married with two kids and she has a background in acting. She wants to be a showrunner in comedy and she coaches actors who've just graduated or who are going into programs. So if you've just graduated from high school, just graduated from college, just graduated from grad school or going into college, into grad school, like all, there's a whole little world of things that you need to know how to do and, and, and be able to handle. And she, she coaches people through that actors through that. So very different backgrounds, ages, life situations and, and goals and dreams. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All very smart people, all very committed to b- creating assets in their life for themselves. What surprised you as you were going along in this process? Did, did your, what you thought it would be, did it evolve in different ways? What was it like? Well, I can say that when I started, when I had the idea, okay, I'm going to do this, got everybody scheduled, we're, we're Yeah, it was ambitious. <laughs> you saw each of us ten times. Yes. Oh, Yes. I, I, I didn't, I, I, I think luckily my expect, I thought it was going to take less work than it did. And I'm glad because I would have been too scared to do it right? and too scared to do it on the scale that I decided to. So sometimes you're just blessed with like ignorance right? and then you're like, Oh, I guess I just have to do this now. Yeah. The train Um, left the station. Right. And paired with that. While I was doing the podcast, create, having the sessions and starting to edit and doing them, I was also creating the product. I was doing it simultaneously, and the audio course for Cashflow for Creatives turned out to be about double the size that I initially thought it was going to be. And as you know, when you start to write a book, if it's either fiction or nonfiction, the book starts to tell you what it is. Oh, the yeah. book starts to tell you how this is going to roll, right. what it's going to include and not include. And it was like, oh, this is bigger. And I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, so the project was big, but I, I knew, you know, from having done other editing projects and done other books and things, I could handle it. But what I didn't know with the podcast was, is this really going to work? Like, is it going to be what I think it's going to be? Is it going to be useful? Or is someone going to eventually listen to it and be like, what was that all about? Because it wasn't just, I knew I could deliver to each of you as a coach. Right. That was fine. You you were going to have a great experience. Right. But could I then craft this 
into something that was not only digestible, but also useful and also engaging Yeah. for an audience that may have never met me before and certainly not you. Right. I didn't know if I could do that, but I was prepared for it not to work. I was like, well, it could just be a steaming pile. Right. But I was, I would say when I started, I was 85% sure it was going to be okay. And then once I figured out how I was going to do, how I was going to do the episodes. And once I'd done like the first three, I was like, okay, this is going to work. This, I know what this, this is. is. Gonna, yeah. not, and by work, I mean, be the instructional thing that I hoped it would be. Right. Yeah. Who is your course designed for? Like who, who would you, uh, who, who would be your prime candidates to, to, to listen to this and to take the course? It is specifically designed for creatives who are pursuing their dreams and who have not just the need, but also the desire to be a little entrepreneurial over here. Like right. I, cause very often, especially in the beginning of a creative career, your creative career doesn't necessarily use all your brain power or right. all your skills or all your talents. Right. And it often doesn't give you a lot of like encouragement and good feedback. So Having something like this on the side, my experience certainly was like, oh, wow, this is used as a whole other part of me. I can run as fast as I can. Nobody has to invite me to the party before I can right. do anything. Like, I can do it. And I can use all of me. So I felt very stretched and satisfied, and I got very good feedback. So I didn't need that for my creative career. I could play the long game in my creative career. Like, you right. don't have to love me yet. You right. don't have to say anything nice yet. Because yeah. I'm getting all that over here. I'm getting money. I'm getting good feedback. I'm getting to use all of my gifts. Yeah. So it, I could relax around my creative career and have a little more fun around it. Because there was I wasn't putting the burden on it to earn the money. Yes. So for someone... Not everyone is built to have a side hustle. Right. I understand that everyone's journey is different, and I can totally argue the case for don't have a backup plan, just do your art. That works for some people. Right. It doesn't work for me because I'd be bored too fast. Right. So for those creatives who are also a little entrepreneurial um, and have the executive skill set, and by executive skill set, I mean the frontal lobe of the brain, right? Um, to be their own boss, because that's you know it's all up to you. Yeah. Um, if you can do that, I wanted you to be like, oh, okay, you want to do this? Let me tell you how to do it in a way that will save you time and energy and money. And let me tell you everything I learned the hard way, the not hard way, that worked for me, that will leapfrog you to getting more money quicker in with less effort. Love yeah. it. So how is it unfolding? Like, cause each of your clients or subjects, they there'll be multiple episodes mm -hmm. and you'll kind of follow them around their, their path. Mm -hmm. And how, what's your release pattern? So, um, I started all the coaching in January, right? Knowing that I would end all the coaching in May. Right. And we basically met every other week. Right. Everyone. Um, now, the reason I have four subjects, I started with three, mm -hmm. but Joanna went for four 
sessions and then her life took a divergence. So then I picked up Sonia for six more. Great. So then there was another project that was sort of, um, intersecting with this one. So I had a deadline of, I had to start releasing the podcasts, um, the, the first week of May, like that was a hard deadline. (laughs) And so, but because it was more work than I thought, my initial thing was releasing. I actually had a whole conversation with my friend Miata about like, how do I release this? Because I don't just want to do all of one person because somebody might not resonate with that person and then go away. Right. So I knew I had to like mix two people together and then eventually I'll, I'll throw up all of Joanna and all of Sonia like at once. But because the best way eventually that people will be able to consume this is they'll be able to go to the, the web, my website and get all of your episodes in a row and all of Kim in a row and all of Joanne. Cause that's, that's how you fall. Right. But so for the release, I didn't want to confuse people, but I wanted to keep them interested. So I decided that at first through May, because I also was gone for two weeks. It was like, okay, I can only do one episode a week. Right. So I just released the introduction and then two of you and then two of Kim. Right. And now this week that we're recording this is the week where I start to do two a week. So then Tuesdays will be you, Thursdays will be Kim, and then I'll throw Joanna and Sonia up there when I'm there we'll all complete. Love it. Yeah. But it's a process of recording the session, editing it down to the parts I want to use, sending it back to each of the subjects to so they can approve that edit. Right. And then finalizing it. So it's a a process that has to be juggled. It's quite a complex project. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Can people just go to iTunes and listen to it? Uh-huh. Or yeah. th- th- so this is for anybody. Oh, yeah. And then there's the course, which is, is a related thing, but they yeah. can do the podcast without listening to the, doing the course or Like whatever. if you have a side hustle or you kind of already have that knowledge that yeah. you've already absorbed, then just listen. Some people just listen to the podcast and go, right. oh, okay, that's cool. Or, oh, even if you listen to it, or some episodes and go, I'm doing it right. Yeah. This is normal. All of my worries and fears, no, that's all normal. Right. That's a great thing to know. Yeah. Because then you can just be like, okay, right. don't have to worry about it. Or so, it could be that one little detail, yes, like, oh, what an uh, idea they did. I should do that. You know, yes. I get that from side hustle school when I listen. I'm like, oh, that that's a good idea. You know? I designed the actual episodes. The actual episodes are not about you, Dennis. They are about the listener. Right. So my whole angle is, hey, listener, this is what I want you to hear from this. This is what's important to listen for. Here's what we're going to discuss and how it will help you. Right. Okay, now listen to Dennis and I have a conversation. Right. So it's not, here's Dennis's story. Right. It's, what are you going to get out of Dennis's story? What can right. we learn from Dennis's story? And notice what I'm teaching him and how he's evolving through this so you can reflect on it as how it relates to you. Yeah. It's all about the listener of yeah. the podcast. That's so fun. Well, it's been a thrill to, to do it. Um, what surprised you about it? Um, <laughs> aside from like how much work, yeah. um, it ended up being, of course, because I was only kind of, you know, I wasn't certain it was going to work. I was delighted by, the arc that everyone did have, because you can't force it. You can't manufacture right. it. And one thing is that anything can happen in life. So I didn't know what your lives would be, but right. I knew that 
anything that happened in your life, even if it obstructed the progress of your biz, was still inform- in- instructional. Right. You know? So I wasn't worried about that. But you want to have a lovely little arc. And everyone did. And that was... That surprise, that delighted me. Um, and I think I was genuinely surprised that it, that the framework of the episode, like when I really figured out how am I going to deliver it? How long is it going to be? Like it turned out well, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm like, Oh look, I made that. It's a really (laughs) big deal. I'm proud of it. And I think when it's all done, I will be very happy that it's out in the world and that I made it and yeah. that, cause I know it's going to help people Yeah, and it only needs to help one person right. for it to work. And for me, my time, I knew up front my time wasn't going to be wasted because I was going to work with four fabulous people and we were going to have a good time and, and I was going to be helpful. So time well spent. Yeah you know, baseline. So I wasn't going to lose anything from this experience. And four more people who have now experienced my coaching and go, go talk about me. So yes. mar- marketing, right. you know, if nothing else. And then I lost my train of thought as I sometimes do. So I knew it was going to be fine in that respect, but it's really lovely to have now that something that will exist in the world as an asset mm-hmm. that will serve me because it's evergreen content. It will serve others, but serve me for years to come. So it was a, if it was going to work, it was going to be a really good use of my time. Right. So, you know, I bet on myself Yeah. and I, I'm really happy with the results. Well, I just had a thought I like you could be working with a client in a year and, and they could have this one problem, you know, like, you need to go listen to the Sonia episode, too. You know what I mean? Like, you'll know where those sort of um, examples and stuff are that can help uh, given people. Well, that's what I was, that's why I was itching yeah. to redo the Your Little Side Biz program. Because I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I would yeah. love to just be able to send, now that it exists, I can just be like, that's what you need. Yeah. You need to talk to me. Just absorb that information. It'll answer most of your questions. And then if you need to talk to me, then we can talk about the nitty gritty of your business. Right. I don't like to sit with someone and give them the general information that I could give them in some other way. Right. I And I don't like having the same conversation over and over right. again, which is why I like coaching more than teaching. I don't want right. to teach the same thing. Right. I'll teach it once. Yeah. But I love coaching. Absolutely. It's always different. It's always different. So how can people learn more about what this pro the, the, the podcast, but also the, the your courses and or whatever that's connected to it? They it's all literally in one spot. Oh cool. Cashflow for creatives dot com. Love it. And I got smart. That what that URL was available. That's really good. Well, I'm glad. On, when, when you're on it, you're, on, you're it. on the right path, you're on the it's right good. path. I was amazed, actually. Yeah. I was like, okay, great. Um, the other thing I got smart with that I learned from the when I published my first book um, was I didn't include the resource list in the product. I just put it on the website so that way I could update it. When things were like, oh, that's right. out of date. Oh, so now it's a dynamic resource list. But you can, anybody can go to that webpage and see all the resource lists. And that will give you some good feedback, especially if you've already started. 
yeah. the side hustle. So the resource list is free, the um, podcast is free, and then the product is there. And if you listen to the podcast, you'll get a sweet coupon code that'll get you 25% off the for product. The, for the, the product, course. which is the, mm-hmm. audio course. the audio course. How long is the audio course? I think it's like six hours. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great. Of the dulcet sounds of my voice. I love it. <laughs> Where would you record at? Here? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I recorded here. Um, just my. We're in Christine's apartment. Audio Technica microphone yes. in front of my computer. Yeah. But <laughs> the only time in Glendale where there is no helicopter, like. Leaf blowers. Was about between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. Wow. So for two weeks, I would take a nap and then I'd get up and record in the middle of the night. But what was interesting about that is when I did my first audio book, I, that I, I wrote a book that I wanted to be an audio book. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired my friend to, um, who, who did it, you know, for a living to record it and edit it in his studio. But the only time he had for me, we, our sessions were 11 PM to like 1 AM. Right. Um, just cause his schedule. So I was like, Oh, well I did that one that way at night. Like it sort of broke the barrier of like, you can only do it during business hours. Right. So I was like, ah, okay. And if two to five is the time, two to five is the time. You got up and did it. That's what acting training does for you. It's like, right. you, you got to do it. You just, yeah. you just do it. It's night shoots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was, so I was on night shoots for two weeks. I love it. Um, what do you hope folks get from it, from the whole thing? Um, I hope they get confirmation that they're not doing anything wrong, that right. it, it looks messy. And I hope they get inspiration of like, yeah, I can do this. Like, we're all just normal people. Yeah. We all just start with like, I mean, even this project, I was like, well, I think it'll work, but I'm not sure. How am I going to do it? I have to shoot at night. Oh, you just do it. Yeah. And you can uh, find a way to put something out in the world that people need that they will give you money for. And it's a very, I found it to be a very satisfying exchange. And for creatives, it gives you flexibility over your time and your, um, where you're putting your energy. And so that alone is really helpful. That's the whole point of not having a quote regular job is you're just too confined to then have the creative career, especially for actors, but for other people as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just hope it's, um, it's confirming and it's and it's um, inspiring. I love that. I'm and, sure it will be. And educational. Yeah. yeah. And you have great actual data. Um, what I learned about it, one of the things that I would come to you and say, I was reluctant to pick up the phone about this thing. Or I would sort of, when I noticed that I wasn't sort of jumping on this thing that I needed to do, what was that about? And like coming at why certain parts of building the business became easier to others. And what is that you know, what are my, am I carrying my show business stuff into this other foray? So that's what I thought was really interesting. And I thought you had great insights about that. Like, why can't I pick up the phone? And it's not that hard, like, but I can do this other stuff. Fine. You know, so it, that it's been such a great experience. So and everyone think- should go to cashflowforcreatives.com. And yeah, you know, did you have something else you want to say? Oh, I was just going to say that it's an interesting thing to see what, hangs up Kim versus what hangs up Sonia, what hangs up Dennis, what hangs right. up Joanna. It's, it's all different. 
and and that just shows that we each have our I have my own little like oh I don't like yeah. this part of it. <laughs> well, what I thought was really interesting is connecting the dots between business and goals and our psychology and our uh, emotional life. Like it, they're not two separate things. They're especially when you're an entrepreneur, they're very much creative or cre- uh, connected. So it was it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Oh I, I'm gosh. honored and thrilled to have been part of it. I'm sad that it's over. You were the inspiration uh, for it. When I found you, I was like, look, look if, a, if a person like Dennis with his business would do this, I think it would totally work. Uh, and so I, I, we were meant to find each other. I love it. Yeah. I know. I can't wait to see how everything else goes ahead and, in the future. Um, there's a list that people can sign up for, the Cashflow for Creatives community list. And yes. when they do that, they immediately get two interviews that I did before this project with, with people who are, have successful side hustles that they've had for several years. And it's just sort of like what they, what worked, what didn't, what, (laughs) what mistakes they made. So those, but eventually I'm going to do follow-up interviews with all four people. So where are they now? We're going to, we have to give it some time. We'll give probably the end of the year. I've got millions to make. I've got to make my millions first. (laughs) All right. This has been such a joy. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Yay. Yay. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's moderator, Necessarily 
were trying to do, but it's suddenly the opportunity was there. So when, when you're coming to that point, how calculated were you in wanting to do something different versus, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Sure, sure. Well, you know, it, definitely from, from the beginning when we, when we came to Netflix, we knew we had an opportunity to be very different, to definitely show the format, to show the, the, uh, the guys in a new way, in a new light. And so, yeah, it was, it was pretty well thought out, you know? We knew we wanted to get out of New York City and head down into the, uh, the heartlands, thus we landed in Atlanta, uh, which is amazing. Um, but really, you know, I think we realized that uh, 15 years ago, uh, you know, Fab Five, they were guys who kind of swooped in and swooped out, right? They kind of did their job and they were the superheroes of it all. And we realized, wow, a lot has happened in LGBT rights, right? Uh, the, the Q rights have been amazing, quite frankly. Marriage, hello, married, engaged. <laughs> Uh, married, yeah, all these marriages. Uh, and so we, we realized, hey, 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 hey. I, I, tell, you know, I tell the story that Carson used to get asked all the time, you know, do you believe in gay marriage? And he would always come back with, as long as there's gay divorce, I believe in gay marriage. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but, but that said, we realized we had an opportunity to know these guys. And that's the real deal here, right? We, get to, we got to meet the Fab Five, we get to know about Bobby and Jonathan and Caramel and Dan and Anthony and see them as, as individuals and who they are and learn about their stories and that their husbands and boyfriends and, and for them to say the word husband and boyfriend, right? That was amazing. But on Netflix, we also get the opportunity to not have commercials, so we got to have story and connection and opportunity where we get to really have connection with our, our episodic heroes, our AJs, where change and uh, dialogue between them are really possible. So yes, we, we definitely put some thought behind it and are, are thrilled with obviously what happened. But getting out of New York was a big thing. Yeah. Well, it, it's something I've told you that, uh, you know, just remembering the original run of the series and seeing this, the, the storytelling here has blown me away in terms of exactly what you said, being able to connect not just with the heroes, but each of these guys, which leads me to bringing these guys together. You were the last to uh, kind of be cast and join the group, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, so, <laughs> save the best till last. Yeah, yeah. Save the best for last. Well, so tell me, what, what was that day like, that chemistry test, and, and did it feel instant, and that moment was like, ah, here it is. Take me back to that day so over a year ago. One of the amazing things about the very first day of casting is within moments, Tan and Karamo and I were right next to each other. Cromwell was already covered up in Tan's jacket because he was always cold. Um, we had, uh, we, That's why I was had bombers on. Um, we had clicked, and by the end of that day, beginning of the next morning, Bobby, off Bobby, can I put for 10 seconds? Oh, two seconds. But it was, it was, there was, there was, there was, there was, there was. Two. There were like, like 60 people in there, so it, it was impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we, so we had the top 40, 40 candidates. We bought I bought this. 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 We have been debating on how many people were there, and I said there were 100. And we just said 40. It started at 100. We did. Brilliant. By the end of the first day, I had created a Fab Five text group between the five of us. Delusional and confident. Right. <laughs> it was great. No matter if we had gotten the show or not, we had found a group of five guys that we really enjoyed each other's company. And I think 
everyone saw that. Yeah, what I loved about that moment is I remember the casting, even though I remember how many people were there, clearly. Um, <laughs> was I just remember when we would go in and out these rooms, we would all come out and try to give everyone the information of what had just happened on the inside, where some of the other guys were holding it close to them. And I kept thinking to myself, First of all, this is a show about helping, so why wouldn't you just want to help the other contestants? I know we're all vying for the same job, but the best guy will get the job. And that's where we all fell in love with each other, of having that opportunity just to say, we're not going to compete. It's, we're just happy to help. And I don't say this, you know, about the casting. Though. You, guys, you guys really cast it for us. And that's the truth. It was about chemistry, right? It was a chemistry test. We were there looking at 40 guys. We did speed dating with all 40 guys and the, the network execs and the, from Netflix and, and Michael Williams and Bob Eric, the executive producers, and we were all there meeting all these guys. But very, very quickly, very quickly, they all rose to the top. And you saw them start to connect. You saw the three, the two, and they started to hang. We kept them in the room and we kept adding and adding. And really, it was by the end of the first day that we really knew that these were the guys. I would liken it to the finale episode of America's Next Top Model. <laughs> but I was so disgusted with myself for it, all of a sudden I was like, I want this so bad. I, I, like, and I was like, you sound like a broken record from one of the top two people on the America's Next Top Model episode. And now I feel like we like won, and it's like a year in, and we're just like we're just like living our best lives, and we're just we're still like interviewing. And, and now you're on magazine yeah. covers, by the way. How about that? Hey, 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 we wrote it. No, um, Tim, what would you say were your expectations about becoming a member of the Fab Five versus the reality of it? Ooh. Um, okay. dollar question. Uh, yeah. Okay, so first and foremost, I never in a million years believed that he would be crazy enough to cast me <laughs> on the show. Um, because I was the only one who had never done TV before, I really did see this as an opportunity to make a few gay friends. I was like, oh my god, and even with my husband, I was like, I'm just going to go and make a couple of gay friends, and I'm, I'm clearly not going to the show. I'll be back. So that was shocking. I'll be back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I was planning my shopping trip the next day when I was not cast and I was let go. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Zara. Anyway, so, <laughs> so, uh, so that was my expectation of the casting. And when I finally got the job, um, I did feel a lot of pressure and I was thinking of uh, saying no. I know I never told you this, yeah. uh, but these boys know that uh, the day that Anthony was cast, I was gonna go to you guys and tell you I don't want the show anymore. Because um, I, I also wanted to As Anthony was cast, you were <laughs> I love you more than anyone, but I just have to say, I fully don't believe it. <laughs> I remember you have I do remember it. I picked you up like a second. And, and here's something that I told you, though. We met Tim via Skype. Michael and Rob and I in, in Rob's office, we popped him up, he came on Skype. We had a, what, 15, 20 minute interview? The Skype ended. He didn't realize, sorry, I'm going to finish because you didn't notice. So uh, they, they were very calm throughout the call, and then uh, they thought that they'd hung up, but if they clicked a second too, too late, and all I saw was... They're all really good with computers. They're very good with computers. <laughs> and all I saw David do was, fuck yeah! <laughs> Had that conversation. I, I mean, you see how I get if you don't pay enough attention to me. I, I don't know. 
Please, I know. So much I would have like, picked you up with a sack of potatoes. We would have gone back in. We would have had a little time. We would have gotten through it, Tanny. No, I need you to back up for a second because I've got a story to tell. So, um, so for Gala's girl, yeah, tell it on my left, girl. So, for me, trust me in a second. Just a minute. This happens a lot, by the way. So you know, it, it, and no, you have no idea how many times Tan ends up on Jonathan's lap. It's, it's a very first he reprimands him, and then yeah. up on his lap. And then I need some touchies. After I'm through this, I'm through. I'm like, okay, but let me tell you, the reason why I, I thought I didn't want the job was because uh, I felt a lot, a lot of pressure. I'm the first one uh, of my community to be on a show like this, and uh, and not to get too, too uh, deep about it, it, it felt like a, a major responsibility when my uh, Caucasian or uh, black counterparts speak, they speak for themselves only. Actually, maybe not you also, no, for my Caucasian counterparts, they speak for themselves. When, when we speak, we speak for a whole community, and that felt like a lot of pressure, and I didn't know if I was ready for that. Um, but I couldn't I couldn't be prouder to be in a position where I get to impact change, not just in America, across the world. Um, so yeah, I'm so elated there. And now the AJ, how accurate is this, like, the behind the scenes of the show? They're like this all the time, they're in filming, this is what you saw? <laughs> this is 100% accurate. <laughs> they came in, you know, the episode started out with a party, and they came in on 10. I mean, <laughs> you have the good music, girl. Yeah. And a good loft, by the way. Oh, yeah? Oh. Anyway, I don't get any of that. That swing gave me life, honey. But every second of them was just, just like this. Like this. Well, I do want to get into some more specifics of the episode uh, but in just a minute. But first, I, I do have to point out, of course, the, this new iteration of the show removed For the Straight Guy from the title, and for a very specific reason, because we get to meet people who aren't just straight guys, hence uh, AJ. Was that um, something that was there from the beginning, or did that kind of happen during the casting process and the removal? Actually, the, the, believe it or not, Straight Guy's been gone for a while. Uh, it was Queer Eye. After season three of the original Queer Eye Speed there, there we go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, John does his homework. The more you know. You know, he has a podcast. <laughs> I didn't even ask him to say that. <laughs> Maybe he'll ask me to be honest someday. Oh. 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 Guess how it Oh, shit. <laughs> you were asking anyway, something no, about... So uh, Queer Eye, indeed, was a broad stroke, right? It, it's, it's Queer Eye. It's all of us. Uh, gay, straight, men, women, uh, husbands, wives, families. Right, that's that's very exciting. What's coming up, hopefully, in the next season, that we all get to see as well. A little tease there. It's good stuff. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, okay, so let's uh, get into some specifics of this episode. I'm curious, first impressions from each of you when you met AJ. The quiet little mouse. You know, I was like, oh my goodness, this person is so shy. He's so quiet. We're gonna have a long week. <laughs> but it turned into an amazing. I, um, to be honest, as a, as the most femme-presenting uh, person here, um, a lot of, no, really, a lot of the conversation around your story was uncomfortable for me because um, when I hear men talk about, like, needing to present more masculine because they're, like, aren't comfortable 
like, I have to constantly catch myself that, like, they're, that I don't need to take this personally. Like, they're not talking about me. Like, just because you're in a heel and a really tight top and a kilt and a shoulderless hoodie, like, they're not coming for you. Um, and, and to have other, you know, the rest of the cast, like, have those conversations, you know, that they shared some of those feelings. I constantly have to, I feel like when you're, you know, very femme and you identify as very queer, it, you kind of have to defend that more. And so having, you know, you struggle with that in real time for me was, like, cute, like, I'm going to have an opportunity to, like, grow and learn with you. And I think that that's what's so fun about the show, because none of us, if I, I will make your hair look better, but that doesn't mean that I know everything about life. And so, and that's true of all of our verticals, and, and that's why it's more about connection than it is necessarily about, like, a, a makeover. But that was, for me, in first impressions, I was like, this is, this is, that's going to be part of the story, is, like, you know, learning that gender is a concept and that we all have to be, you know, we're all in a relationship with that. Well, what I was, I was excited about when I first met him is, is a little bit different from what you're talking about, piggybacking off, is I understood the cultural differences and I understood what it was to be a man of color. I understood what it is to be from immigrant parents and I understand the pressure they put on um, us just to be men and then how you feel when you're coming out that somehow it lessens your manhood or makes you less, the you know your 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 African American or Pakistani, and that pressure causes you to relate to life in a certain way. And I identified that immediately with AJ, and I was like, I know what he's going through. And my hope was, which I think it did, and this is power to you, AJ, was that I realized that this was an opportunity for everyone to see how people have put labels on each of us that have told us that we can't be bigger than that label. And that if somehow we identify with other parts of ourselves, that that label somehow has to be diminished. And what you showed is that every label you wear, you wear it proudly and amazingly. And I'm so proud of you for that. Anthony had a great moment with him about that as well in the, in the dressing room there at Lacoste with Tan. I mean, I <laughs> meeting AJ was probably the most uncomfortable encounter that I had at first because I realized very quickly that where he was at with the people that he had come out to and those that he hadn't, I was actually at that very same place. And to find myself as like an expert who's supposed to come in and teach something, it made me really uncomfortable. Um, and what AJ taught me, I think, and for future episodes, was that like sometimes we come and we present our skill and we try to impart some like wisdom or knowledge, but other times it's just about listening and just sharing about where you're at. The fact that we don't always have it figured out, that it's this dynamic process that we're continually learning. Um, and the same has been true of like my sexuality and the way that I've explored that and the way that I've expressed it. Um, it's always been something very intimate and just to be on a show where suddenly we're asked to discuss that, I never imagined that in a million years. I never had that fantasy. Um, so it's, 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 I take it with like, it's, it's such a blessing to be not caffeinated enough. Um, we're not doing that yet. No, it's fine. We're good. Um, anyway, it was just, it was such an incredible moment because it like, it, it wasn't really planned. And it's like, it's so interesting how it's, it's those moments where we sort of like share the fact that we don't know. It's the, the, the fact that we don't know that actually makes it interesting that people can relate to. And that's what I received the most messages about on, on social media is people saying like, thanks for not acting like you have your shit figured out. We all don't have all the answers. Correct. Yeah. Um, and Chrono, you, you kind of started to touch on something, what I wanted to bring up is that there's kind of a, a special extra sense I feel you have, that you're a, kind of like able to see into people's souls in some way to get them to open up and, and 
be able to go on this journey in ways that maybe they hadn't, uh, if there was someone else in your position, what, what is that key? What, what is that special time? I like making people cry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Barbara Walters Jr. Exactly. Cobra. You know, I suppose some of your own personal background has something to do with it. I was going to say that. Yeah, my personal background with my career, what I was doing before this, I worked in social services, and there's a lot of helping people to get to those moments. But beyond that, just as a human being who loves to connect with other human beings, whether you're male, female, whatever race, cultural background, is that a lot of times we don't feel like people listen to us and see us. And I know that for myself, I feel that way often. And I think it starts from early on, from that playground syndrome. When you get on that playground and everyone focuses on this kid because they're most beautiful, or we focus on that kid because they're giving the most trouble. But if I'm just here being me, you don't see me, you don't appreciate me. And I try to make sure that when we talk to our girls, and it's not just me, it's all of us, we make sure that we know we see you. And I think that's just so important. You know, like, this is not preaching to you all, but when you leave out this room, look at someone and say, I see you, and listen to them. Because a lot of times we don't. We're so willing to want to talk and tell ourselves because we have to fight. You know, look at social media. We have to fight for the comments. We have to fight to get our, ourselves out there. But how often do we sit back and say, I'm ready to listen to you and tell you that you're beautiful for every part of you. And I think that's what a lot of, especially men, don't get. No one asks them, how are you? And then just sits quiet. No one says, how do you feel about what's happening? Do you have any guilt? Do you have any fears? Do you have any remorse? And we allow these men to have that moment. And I think that's why, you know, you see the waterworks. And I appreciate it. <laughs> They're very Probably this, uh, this home transformation, uh, for, first of all, <laughs> wow, uh, but it, it take me into what goes into each of these, because you have a lot of work to do uh, in, in each episode, but, but beyond just the, the work that goes into it, why you, the, the approach you take, is there even more of like an emotional, mental approach to, to make this all work in the bigger picture? You know... I got really lucky with AJ's episode, we, we all did, because not only did we have good bones to work with with AJ, but I had really great bones to work with with a phenomenal space. Um, so design is very personal to me. You know, I always want to make sure that when I'm going into our girls' homes, I'm not making their homes great for TV, I'm not making them for me, I'm really making them for them. And if you look around AJ's house, you'll find a lot of um, little personal things, like the um, Miami piece of art in his bedroom. <laughs> that was their first vacation they took together was to Miami. So I wanted to make sure that every night before they went to bed, they saw and were reminded of that memory. And the photographs that my team and I, we scour, we call friends and family, trying to get photographs of his father and his stepmom and his, uh, the rest of his family. And you know, just making sure that I try to take as many personal things about them and incorporate it into that home. Because at the end of the day, when I leave, when the crew leaves, when the rest of my brothers leave, they have to sit there in that home and feel like they're them and know who they are, and I really want to make sure that that happens for them. And these aren't just being staged for TV. No, no. Everything we see, that's one of the biggest questions I get is, oh, do they get to keep things? I'm like, of course, I'm not going to go in there and do that. <laughs> <laughs> I took it all the way. Yeah, I'm like, see ya, bye, sorry. That's a wrap. Thank you. It's a cow shot.
but, but it is a legitimate question because there are some shows where that's that's not a they do not. Yeah, I know. I was actually really shocked when I started getting that question. Like, like on Extreme Home Makeup, where they're like, uh, no, no, they don't know. No, no, no. Who? Who did it? Tell them. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hold on, and I don't want to skip past this. Bobby works his butt off. Don't get me wrong. Yes, please give it up for Bobby. Because every episode, we're like, bye. Bobby's like, bye. <laughs> like, okay, see you guys later. You know what else I want to dovetail on that for you, Bobber, that I love? Like, every single time, like, watching the show, like, yeah, like, every single time I ever cried was directly related to work that you did because, like, you know how, like, I would say, like, all of the verticals, like, interior design is the one that, like, I know the least about and then the worst at. And I've always, like, had kind of someone else, like, help me more with it. But that experience, like, when you get a new, like, painting or, like, a new little, like, thing in your house, like, you come around the corner and you forgot you got it, you're like, oh, I love that. Like, that's fun. <laughs> and, like, that's, like, a thing, like, that's, like, one of the things that's, like, so great about, like, liking your house. And so when you spend a whole week with, like, AJ, you spend a whole week with someone, you're getting to know them. And then all of a sudden, like, you're in this house that, like, three days ago looked are totally different. And then you spend all this time with this person who you like are totally into, and you're like, like, well, like, what are we doing? Like, we're doing these make butters. I'm like, I want to know how your hair is going to work. Like, there's all this stuff. And then you get to this house, and like, it's that feeling, like, oh my god, my new vase or my new picture frame or whatever. Times like an entire house, and you spend all of this time, and like, I just could not keep it together. And no, really, and like, so, and the thought that you put into that, that really does create, and, and the five of us, like, so many times, like, when we're like crying in the loft, like, watching stuff, like. That's what I'm crying about, is like seeing people like experience, like imagining them like what they're gonna experience in their new house and like what their life is gonna look like. And like when you're chatting on the phone with somebody you love, like imagining like what they're like looking like sitting in their house, you know, like you can see what their living room looks like. You know what I mean? Like, like you, did, you thought about that for those people, and that is like really that no, that's a thing. In case you're wondering, yes, this is him all day. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, of course, bring up a very important scene in this episode, uh, the harness. And no. Uh, yeah. So many people commented on social media, oh, that was a nice thing that production did. Yeah. That was real. We really did stumble upon that. I really showed the duality. You know, it's like, it's the duality of it all. Because it was like that little baby harness is minding her own business. You know, he was taking that confidence while wearing that and applying it to your entire life. Now, when you guys found that harness, I was scared to death. I was scared for you. My mom, my grandmother. How's that been since it's become Well, that was my next question. Yeah, how's reaction been? Not just to that, but the entire episode. Hey, I was okay, babe. Yeah. <laughs> People like to see my personality and me come out of my shell, so you know they they love it. Yeah, yeah. 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 What I really wanted to get into was, of course, the letter, which uh, an interesting tidbit. Karamo is the one who suggested you write that letter. Is that kind of something that's kind of a part of a thing that you do, Karamo? Like just suggesting writing things out. It helps. Yeah. yeah. Um, AJ and I, we had an amazing time after that park, and then we sat on the bench for maybe about an hour, and just talking to him, immediately when he acknowledged that he wishes he had been able to tell his father, I knew that one of the most cathartic things that any of us can do when we've lost someone, whether it's a relationship that the person could still be alive or someone who had passed away, is to actually get those feelings out of our mind. And I just said, AJ, write it down. And I shared with him, I don't know if you remember, I told you I did the same thing for my grandmother. 
when she passed, and it made me feel so much lighter. And I just knew that if, if in that moment of being with his mom, if he didn't have the opportunity to see the words, he might lose them, which a lot of us do. And being able to read it, it doesn't seem like it worked. I'll let you talk about it. Well, you gave me a homework assignment. <laughs> I'm a dad. I can't help it. I had to do homework for this. But, um, you know, I, that night I went to the hotel, and I, I, I mean, that was... You think I was crying during while I was waiting to my stepmother. I mean, just think about everything. Just think about my father during um, that time. It was like I was actually talking to him. And um, you know, you guys got you know just a little bit of what I put on the letter, but you know, it was oh man, that was that was one of the toughest parts of the of the show for me is writing that letter of, by myself. And um, Karama didn't, you know, he said write the letter, and he didn't, he, he sort of led me to the water, and didn't really tell me what to do with it, but he said, just, just write it, and it was just, you know, in the middle of it, I'm like, you know, this is how it's going to come out, I'm going to just put it out there, and, um, and, and make everything right through, through this letter, and, um, and that's what happened. All right, that's the first half of the Queer Eye panel. Aren't those guys great? I was really impressed with them. And the feeling that you get when they were all together was that they really adored each other. And I don't know, I just thought they were all really saw the big picture and and were coming from a great place. And they're really cute and nice. And anyway, it it was great. It was great. I'm into it. I can't wait to watch the rest of the shows and weep. I I literally had a headache the next morning because I cried so much at this thing. Um, So there's that. Um... The AC just went on, but I don't care. It's that kind of a freewheeling Sunday. All right, so this happened. Last night I got to see Billy Porter in concert. Uh, my friend Matt Zarley has been friends with Billy for a long, long time, uh, decades. And it was out in Northridge at the Soroya Auditorium, I guess. It's gorgeous. And um, he sang a, a, some songs from his album, which is The Soul of Richard Rogers, which are theater songs by Richard Rogers done in this really cool, soulful way. But one of my favorite parts was... He got a little political in the middle, and he made a video to, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. And he he sort of tied it to our president. And I'm like, that is a great way to tie in the present moment to the songs of Richard Richard Rogers. So it was very cool. Um, I'm so excited to see Pose. I hear it's really good. It premieres tonight. So um, looking forward to that. All right. That's all for this week. Uh, Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Dennis Anyone. Bye. (laughs) 